Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Here. Resistance is futile. This, indeed, you are is Fan Effect. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fan Effect, brought to you by the Larry H. Miller Megaplex Theaters, uh, the best place to watch a movie in Utah, and where we happen to see this week's topic. Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I'm Andy Farnsworth. Glad to have you with us as we talk about what's going to be the biggest movie of the Thanksgiving season. And um, we'll see how it goes the rest of the year. I guess it'll depend on a lot of what Avatar does in December, but this may... Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this does compared to the current top uh, Top Gun on the list, uh, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, but Black Panther Wakanda Forever, we're making this recording after the first weekend where it did set a November box office record with $181 million in the United States and then I believe $300-something million worldwide. So it was definitely the most watched movie. Not a surprise considering the original Black Panther movie grossed over a billion dollars worldwide back in 2018 and was notable for being the first movie in at least modern superhero history with an all with a, with a black lead and an all black main cast although i did notice that at the time gregory hines was trying to point out that meteor man back in 1993 was technically the first black led superhero movie <laughs> i've never heard of that yeah <laughs> not a lot of people watched it and uh, but anyway i mean he's right it, it was and it was a big thing i collected comics back in the 1990s it was in every single comic book being pushed as for people to go watch it, but I don't think a ton of people went and saw it, hence the reason nobody has really heard of it. But original Black Panther became a cultural touchstone beyond just grossing a lot at the box office, and so uh, it the, the sequel is highly anticipated and has been. Um, ticket sales, uh, it, it I want to say it was like just barely behind on the Thursday night, which is uh, where they kind of get an idea of what the weekend's going to be. So the Thursday night previews, they made $28 million, which is a lot. Um, some movies are glad to make a million dollars in Thursday night previews. The tickets are a little bit more expensive because it's early, but everybody wants to see it as, mm-hmm. as early as possible. I actually think it's a great idea on the studio's part to goose some more money out of us gullible suckers who can't wait. <laughs> but anyway, it made $28 million and then it just did solid all the way through the weekend. So we're going to talk about what we thought about it. Uh, joining me, as always, is Kellyanne, my co-host slash Hello. producer. And then joining us for this episode is Joshua Paul Chamberlain. Josh, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, my name's Josh Chamberlain. I have been on podcasts here before, Relentlessly Resilient and also Voice of Reason. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so already and a podcast Re- guy. And Relatively Resilient is actually one that I produce, so I'm like, okay, we're getting Josh on for this one. So, <laughs> And Josh, you also have a special quality that we, we were looking for with this podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> I am black. You are black. Okay. 
<laughs> so yes, there are there are black people in Utah, a few of us, and that's good. And you got to see it early, so you we've actually had to, a whole week to think about this, as opposed to yeah. maybe a lot of people just only having the weekend to react. So, a week's worth of thoughts. Um, uh, you're you're going to speak for the whole black race, as far as the black <laughs> hey, I do that a lot. I do that a lot. You well, speak we for the black you. race. I'll speak for women here. Well, well it's okay. Forgive us. We're all learning. We're all growing. <laughs> and but I appreciate you being here. And I'm 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 interested to before we get into Wakanda Forever, uh, set the table for me a little bit. How did you feel about the original Black Panthers you watched? Were you already a comic book movie fan? Yeah. So I was already a comic book movie fan. However, I had this kind of battle with the action part. I feel like there was always a lot of action, and Black Panther, even the original, brought a little bit more emotional for it for me. So um, it pulled me in a little more than other. Um, comic book movies I've seen. Okay. And as you wait, what were your expectations as you were preparing for Wakanda Forever? Were they high, middle? Were you trying not to let them get up? What What was your thought process? I'd go with that last one. I wouldn't, you always get worried about a sequel and obvious, you know, with the some main character stuff changing and all that. I mean, that's not a spoiler. Everybody knows that. Um, Chad was going to change. Yeah, they, was gonna, they passed away. So you're a little bit curious what that's going to bring so i went in with maybe even a little lower expectation just to just keep myself to not safe. be disappointed <laughs> yes. right right because you like where would you rank black panther in your favorite uh, marvel movies i'd put it as number one really so, okay yeah, so it is not just top five actually number one yeah, yeah okay no it's it's my number one and i when i saw the first black panther movie i liked it but i wasn't like eh. but then right. i also saw it was interesting to see how what kind of a when i mentioned cultural touchstone earlier i noticed that that's what it was and then i was like and then i tried to kind of look at it through the different eye uh, of maybe somebody who's not like a longtime comic book fan or anything like that to where you get to go and have, you know, representation is a word that I didn't think a ton about or maybe I didn't focus a lot on before that. But then I thought, yeah, that's got to be kind of cool. I mean, I've always identified with Captain America. I'm a blonde white guy, except for differences. I don't I have a beer gut instead of a six pack. <laughs> but but. But if that's somebody that relates to for me, like why couldn't that be the same for somebody else? And then as I watched it the second and the third time, I, I actually liked it even more because as and maybe you found this as watching superhero movies. The first time through, you're trying to absorb everything, like you're trying to sponge right. up as much as possible. Okay, what's this? What's this? And so you're sort of taking it all in as a first experience. Absolutely. Then you go back the second time, so now you know everything that's going to happen. Now you can kind of like try to, like I, I feel like the first time through. If it hooks you, that's a credit to the director because they need to be able to hook you the first time. But the second and third time, if it really gets you, then it's a real credit to both the writer and the director because now you know what's going to happen. You can kind of – well, even wanting to go back the second or third time. So there's true. definitely movies, even superhero, where I don't want That's to go true. back. That's true. I haven't true. seen Eternals a second time yet. Me neither. It took me a while to even get through that one. So. Oh. Well, and I think you're. it's smart to say that because I think that's also where the actors come in as well. Mm-hmm. That's because true. Because you want to see true. how they portray that character in a way that connects you to them. You can write a character really well, and we've all seen that not play out still in the end because the actor doesn't do a good job. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Or the production doesn't support it. And this one, right. the production totally supports oh, the characters, yeah. the storyline. It's wonderful. I went into it, actually, I avoided the tra- the trailers after the teaser. Um, you know, one thing we've talked a, lo- a lot before is how the they've been revealing too much in the trailers recently. Right. And the day that like, the first real trailer came out, um, before I got a chance to watch it, people on Facebook were complaining that it gave away too much. So I'm like, nope, not watching it. So that that's how I entered uh, Wakanda Forever was I didn't want to see the trailer. I wanted to be as kind of open as possible before going into it um, and just really was 
wanted them to be just so respectful of Chadwick Boseman, which they completely did. So that well, was I didn't, my I didn't approach. think that was ever a danger of, mm-hmm. of being disrespectful to Chadwick Boseman. I, you know, I watched the trailer and everybody was complaining that it revealed who the new Black Panther was. And I'm like. Maybe if you freeze frame it and stare at it for a while, it'll tell you that it's a girl and not a guy. Mm-hmm. But I didn't feel like it gave away who was a Black Panther. It's not like Black Panther had a shortage of potential female characters <laughs> who no. could fill the suit True. with the skills True. and that kind of thing. That's what, to me, it was like, okay, so it's not uh, M'Baku. Like, that's about all it told me. <laughs> what other guys were going to be in the movie besides M'Baku as far as it goes? Because Daniel Kaluuya said he wasn't going to be in and then he wasn't. And there just weren't a lot of uh, male main characters mm-hmm. Uh, outside of Mbaku, who could, you know, you feel like could be the, and it wasn't going to be Martin Freeman. <laughs> so there you go. You're left with uh, Shuri or Nakia or um, or uh, Okoye. And I just are figured we, it would be one of the three. And that was what was going to be the mystery. And, and even as the movie began, are we doing before spoilers? we get too much into I say, I mean, come on. I know. I know. We always have this argument. <laughs> but. Anyway, I don't want to get too much into it, but I'm just saying watching that trailer, I didn't feel like it gave away anything more than maybe I already suspected Mm -hmm. that it was going to be a lady that was the Black Panther for multiple reasons. One is it's it's happened in the comics already. Um, You know, I'm I'm somebody who like if you take a comics character and you change it just for the sake of changing it, I have a harder time with that than something they've already done in the comics that just maybe you didn't know that because you don't follow the comics anymore. Mm Uh, one example is a character of uh, Ironheart, Ryrie Williams, who's in yeah. this movie. You know, she, oh, they're making a lady Iron Man now. It's like, well, they already did that. <laughs> That's in the comics. It's yeah. not like this is brand new. And also, Iron Man is dead. So, what are we going like, to do? <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> Just make the character good. That, and that's to me the main thing. Invent a character and make them good, and then I'm happy. Yeah. Well, and the fact of the matter, as story progresses, culture progresses as well. What is what we can accept in our media it, it progresses as well. So, like, we're going to have a progression of you know female superheroes, minority superheroes. Like, it's just the way right. it happens in life, and because of that, it's the way it happens in our storytelling too. Well, and for fan so effect, for, for fan effect, we're not concerned about that. Like, no. we don't believe that you have a wrong opinion if you mm-hmm. hate. Black Panther because it has black people in it. Well, that's your opinion. I don't yeah, agree with absolutely. it. But you can have that opinion. Everybody gets We're an fans. opinion. Well, but that's what I'm saying. But like, yep. if you hate because there's a gay character in the movie, fine. I mean, you don't have to like every movie. It's okay. Right. Just don't try to convince somebody else who does like it that they shouldn't like it. Mm-hmm. Let somebody enjoy it the way they mm-hmm. want to enjoy it. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's how we are on Fan Effect, and that's what we go with. So we got to talk about the, the setup for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. 2020, the star that nobody realized was sick, Chadwick Boseman, during the pandemic, suddenly passes away. In fact, my first thought was, oh, no, did he die of COVID? Right. And it turns out, oh, he had cancer. Oh, wait, how did he, not, did he know about he this? He was diagnosed in 2016, too. Nope. So it, that means that like during, during the first the Black Panther, first during a whole bunch right. of things. And he just wanted to keep it private, which, wow, wow, Well, wow, and he wow. had left that little cliffhanger in that interview where nobody really thought, everybody kind of thought he was joking that he wouldn't be there. For the next he, one. Oh, I don't. I don't have you not seen, seen that, that clip? One. No, no. Oh, he has a little clip where he's on the red carpet and somebody asks him a question. He says, oh, I'll be dead. And everybody kind of laughs it off. But he was serious. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Wow. It's kind of yeah. chilling now to yeah. look back at that. Oh, yeah. Oh, but was, like what a wonderful lesson of acceptance, though, too. Yeah. Like, wow. Well, so 2020, they're still in pre-production on Wakanda Forever. They knew it was going to be sequel. I mean, it made a billion dollars. There was zero chance there wasn't going to be a sequel. <laughs> yeah. uh, when Infinity War happens and Black Panther is blipped. Him mm-hmm. and Spider-Man, I just remember thinking, well, they ain't going to stay dead. There's too much money to be made. I guess I guess they could make another sequel that's set before Infinity War, but that, uh, okay. 
Uh, so then, of course, they come back in, in, in Endgame. Um, so there was no way this wasn't going to be a sequel. Also, like, it doesn't make a billion dollars uh, just because it has black people in it. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that just helps it. Right. It, it, everyone has to go see this movie and, and see it multiple times. Um, where it became a cultural touchstone is the, the Wakanda Forever, where they do the cross, mm-hmm. the thing on the chest. Um, also reminds me of Wonder Woman, though. So that's because I'm, <laughs> I'm originally a DC fan. So <laughs> And so it went just beyond like a superhero movie, but it was a good one, too. I mean, that, that's the best part about it is Ryan Coogler, who I really like from the Creed movies. Uh, I still haven't seen Fruitvale Station. That's one that I need to see. I haven't seen that either. Um, but that's where he kind of got on the map. And um, I was really glad that he wrote and directed the sequel, especially considering what happened. So he has said in interviews that uh, he finds out that um, that Chadwick is dying or has died. I think he knew shortly before because he sent him a script because mm-hmm. he would have Chadwick go through it. And it was always too long a script and Chadwick would give him some ideas on where to pare it down. But he didn't get all the way through the script because he was uh, – you know, just at the out. at the worst stage. And so then he finds out that he's died and everyone is in lockdown around the world. And that's one of the hard things. Letitia Wright talked about how um, she was in London and mm-hmm. she wakes up and she sees all these messages and she's like, "They're jo- you're joking with me. She's like, I'm going to call Chadwick. She calls him, doesn't answer, obviously. Mm-hmm. Wow. And she finally gets a hold of Daniel Kaluuya, who's in London as well. And he's like, she's on the phone with him and with her other phone, she's trying to call Chad. He's like, what are you doing? You can't. He's not going to answer. And that's when it finally started to hit. And then she couldn't go to the funeral in Los Angeles because they couldn't leave London. Exactly. So there's so much emotion behind the scenes. And so the question from a marketing and, you know, like the real world standpoint of these are still movies that are designed to make money and, and, and continue a fictional narrative, even though it uses real world people. What do you do next with the Black Panther? I mean, he's a he can't die in the comics unless you say he wants to die, and then you can bring him back whenever you want. That's the fun of writing. Right, but, but real, real world life. doesn't do that. So now you've got this dilemma. Does they Do they recast Chadwick Boseman's role, or do you have to deal with his death in-universe? That's a big decision. Like, that's a hard decision. And it's a brave decision. And here's the other thing. Chadwick actually felt like the role of T'Challa should go on. He and personally was in favor of recasting the role because wow. he wanted the character to be there for, you know, for people, for black kids and for everybody right, like right. to still have that hero. And I don't disagree with him on no. that, but it would have been really hard to watch somebody else beat T'Challa. Well, mm-hmm. and he that, did his job so well. Right. It's just like you can't imagine a different Iron Man. Like if they're like, you know what, let's put Tom Cruise in as Iron Man for the Iron Man 3 it just wouldn't have worked. Right. They've inhabited the roles and it's become such a cultural juggernaut mm-hmm. that you can't you can't Aunt Vivit, you can't uh, you mm-hmm. can't do the um who else who's somebody else they replaced? Aunt Viv's always the one people go to. Mm-hmm. But they replace that you can't Becky it on Roseanne, you can't <laughs> you know, just switch the character out without having some problems. So uh, I agreed with the idea of recasting T'Challa, but it would have been hard to watch. Well and his family didn't want him recasted either. Like his well, that's brother. True. So. Well, and there's some humility from him saying just to recast me. Right. I mean, what actor would be like, yeah, I'm disposable enough just to recast me, not realizing that nobody would have allowed a recast. Mm-hmm. I don't think one person would watch that with a recast and been pleased with it. Right. That's and possible. That's, particularly I mean, that's a great for point. a character that's so iconic, um, that would be very, very difficult as well. Well, and, you know, it's iconic in part because he did such a great job with yes. it. Right. Absolutely. I mean. He he's played Jackie Robinson. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, haven't, I still have to watch Twenty One Bridges, which I think was his final movie. 
in 2019, where he plays a like a New York City cop, and they have to close all the bridges into the city to oh, prevent somebody from escaping. Oh, I haven't seen it. But I gotta yeah, I've watched seen the that one. So, I love yeah. action movies. As far so as I know, that's fun. his last his last role was that. But mm-hmm. uh, he played through good Marshall. I mean, <laughs> the guy had a pretty good resume. So mm-hmm. he was a good actor, and he was an, as iconic as far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe in this role. So Coogler and Kevin Feige have to sit down and decide what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They decide. You know, it, and uh, now having watched the movie, I feel like this was a good decision mm-hmm. because they decide, OK, we're not going to recast the role. We're going to have everybody in the movie deal with what we're dealing with in the real world. Oh, wow. So mm-hmm. we're going to write this into the story. They're going to have to deal with what do you do? Th- that's part of the thing. I've, I've listened to different writers over the years or, or uh, read interviews with them where they they talk about like it's very interesting to imagine what this character would do in this situation. And I've always part of me who's not good at writing is like you're the writer you know what they're going to do you get to make it up what do you mean what are they going to do they're going to do whatever you tell them to but they look at it as like what would these characters do let me see if i can write this how do i think knowing who i've created this character how do i think they would react i guess in in a way think about your favorite sitcom first season you're getting to know the characters right Mm -hmm. right and then the second, third season, it usually hits its peak because now you know everybody's quirks. I think of The Office in particular. Really didn't enjoy the first season, which was like seven or eight episodes. Mm-hmm. Didn't like it. Stuck around because I thought Pam was cute and I liked the Jim and Pam dynamic. Mm-hmm. Second season, now I kind of knew who Angela was and who Creed was and who mm-hmm. Dwight was. And suddenly with that going, now the situations become humor. Oh, Dwight's not going to like that. Like mm-hmm. you start thinking that way when the situations come up of which character is going to have the best time. So with the writers saying, okay, how's Shuri going to react to T'Challa's death? Mm-hmm. How's Queen Ramonda going to react? How are the other people going to react? How, how does the world react to the death of Wakanda's protector? Mm-hmm. And they well, decided and to write that into protector, the Protector, king, yep. superhero, all these different layers of it. It's not just... And that's not something that Wakanda can keep a secret either because Mm -hmm. he's become public. Mm -hmm. So that's how they decided to go into the movie. Now, figuring everything out, I'm sure they already kind of had Namor on the table as going to be the antagonist. He was already the antagonist as one of the things I looked up. But this decision, I think, was good because it allowed all of us a little bit of catharsis. Before we take the first break, I'd like to just talk about, to me... And I'm curious what your guys' thought was the was the most emotional part of the movie. To me, the most emotional part was the opening credit when they could pull out the Marvel logo and they instead of having that really awesome Michael Giacchino um, little fanfare with the trumpets, the mm-hmm. it was silent and it was just images of Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther and then the Marvel logo was again. purple. I know, I right? Me too. Right? Me too. I really did. And it, with no sound, like no sound mm-hmm. created the most emotional moment of that movie and it was at the beginning and it was mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, that's right. I forgot, like, I, maybe I hadn't thought how much you like and maybe it's the fact that we knew he was gone in real life because that does add Mm -hmm. mystique it just does but just seeing it up there and having it be silent I was just like it's getting a little dusty in here right before the credits oh yeah and also what a beautiful example and to set the stage of how the production is going to add to the story of it it could very easily they could have done a big swelling Black Panther but said they chose to be mute and calm and kind of that wind noise that was playing and more subdued images and things like that. And so it added to the story and it just showed how the production value is going to add to the story throughout the whole thing as well. I love that. I think my biggest emotional part, which I think is in the trailer, so I can say it, is, um, uh, you know, you the, the funeral procession. The <laughs> I know. The funeral procession, uh, process, procession. Thank you very much. Um uh, towards the end of it, they they pan over to a wall, and there is the graffitied yes. uh, image of uh, 
of, of the Black Panther, um, of T'Challa on that wall there. And I'm like emotional right now, just you know, after Chadwick Boseman had passed away, how many wonderful artistic representations of him and his life, you know, were all over the place on walls in, in on Pinterest, on everywhere, there were all these tributes to him because, and it really connected the, the man to the image, to the icon. I think that was the most emotional for me was, was that moment for, for, for me. What about you, Joshua? I just think you have superhero movies where everything has to be stoic so much of the time, even mm-hmm. in Avengers and all even these. Even T'Challa was yeah, stoic. Yeah, like, yeah. we're stoic. Well, this, to me, this Black Panther does the opposite. You don't have to be stoic. You get to cry. You mm-hmm. get to be emotional. You get to open up a lot more than I feel like almost any superhero movie ever has done. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty emotional. So that's, so again, why it makes it my number one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm over here. <laughs> like, I'm like, a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was. It you was, were trying to be stoic, but you couldn't. I couldn't. Can make it. Well, even the fact that they chose to not have the mourners all in black, but in white as yeah. a celebration of Well, yeah, life. I was going to say, but I thought that it was appropriate to discuss that here. What did you think of the funeral scene where it's part celebration, part mourning? Well, it's very cultural. I mean, yeah. that is something for sure where you dive into culture. Um, even Islander, I would say you have a lot of different cultures where celebration is part of death. And some people call it a celebration of life, even in the U S but you still sing songs that sound like you're dying. Mm -hmm. So I (laughs) dirges, I believe they're called. That is it. (laughs) So I like this idea that you're remembering them, how they were and would have been at that moment in celebration, Mm -hmm. not just, them laying lifeless. Like nope. what they, it's not what That's they could true. be, but yeah. it's who they were. Yeah. Well, how about, I mean, we're bringing his coffin. They've got the, the arms yeah. crossed yes. on the coffin, the panther mask. Right. Um, the, I thought the, the best part of the, of the funeral scene, I thought was, uh, it was cool how it was treated. And then, and, and, and you mentioned Kellyanne, yeah. that the Paul bears were all the Dora Milaje. Yeah. The female warriors. That was actually a super important to me moment to me. When my grandpa Jack passed away a couple years ago, uh, we made the choice for us females, so the aunts and the granddaughters, to be our pallbearers. And it was one of the neatest and most honorary things I've had to do in my life. So the fact that they chose not just to have female warriors be her, the main protection of, of the king, of, of the royals and everything, but to be the pallbearers as well and to, to switch that cultural norm was just so impactful for me and like I almost like reached over and like hit Josh I'm like wait I don't, I don't know him well enough to <laughs> to do this but just the example of strong females in the film just personified in that moment was just amazing and the the, the, the casket goes vertical and then gets taken up which mm-hmm. I thought was a cool representation but to yeah. me I really thought that the, this, the, the clincher I'm sure this was intentional was when they spread out to the pan to the whole city yeah. of the capital city of Wakanda and you see people are like Everywhere, people that are way out of range, they're not going to be able to see what's going on, and they're all participating. Right. Look, I, if I, if I can't here. like first three rows or something. Like I don't like to go. I would never go to the 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 New Year's Day, New Year's Eve in New York. I'd never go to the Macy's Thanksgiving parade. Right. I don't want to be eight rows back with everything going on. But here's something where it's like, I, so <laughs> that's the opposite of what I would want to do. But then somebody like I want to be part of this, even if I'm like. Way at the far back. Mm-hmm. Way, if I'm two miles away and I barely know what's going on, when the when Queen Elizabeth died, there was a similar thing. Yep. If you saw all the mourners lined up so deep, and they people mm-hmm. waited in line for four days to pay their respects. Mm-hmm. I mean, interesting that that we we actually have a real world comparison of yeah. the death of a beloved monarch at right. the same time. So, um, I, I I just thought it was well done. I think it was important, especially based on how people felt about him. Yeah, and you know, even if you got the occasional 
idiot vocal fans who don't like something or whatever. Right. There was enough people that that needed that moment. Like this was this was your chance to mourn both right. Chadwick Boseman and the character he portrayed on the screen because it, it, it there was a real element that crept in that you couldn't. Like I've, I cried when Spock died in uh, Star Trek Two, <laughs> but <laughs> I cry almost every time. I, I Leonard Nimoy was still alive for years after that. But this Dobby. is one where the reality oh, yeah. and the fantasy intersected. And it everybody kind of everybody who's a fan needed that moment to kind of to deal with it. Well, I didn't know I needed that moment until it was on the screen. Like, I didn't know I needed that moment. And like, what a beautiful realization of of that. And again, real life and on the screen like that's. What's about? You know, this is why we go to theaters together to have the communal experience. Mm -hmm. I really think that you wouldn't quite have the same wouldn't quite have the same reaction, I think, if the first time you watched this was in your living room on your no. 40 or 50-inch TV. Well, no. we're lucky enough we saw it in the IMAX because right. we, we do have the IMAX oh, yeah. theaters at the Megaplex. So, But just, you know, everybody else, like I remember seeing, I hate to use this reference, but Titanic. <laughs> okay, this is a 25-years-old reference now. And um, still one of the highest grossing. Exactly. Yes. And there was a reason for it. Yes. But I remember the first time I saw it, the scene where Rose and Jack are floating in the water and Jack's mm-hmm. about to, to, to die and, you know, I, I was like, I, oh, yeah, I'm spoiling a 25-year-old movie that's the highest grossing in history for a long time. <laughs> Heaven forbid the two people who haven't somehow seen it already. Oh, no, people died in Titanic. What? Have you been a part of our culture at all? Uh, well, I mean, I remember when the first movie, I, my first thought when I saw the Titanic poster was, what, it, what possibly could this movie tell? We know what happened. The boat sank. People had T-shirts. The boat sank. Deal with it. <laughs> anyway. I was too young to remember. Didn't, didn't mean to get it off track onto oh, the goofy thing. Sorry, sorry, that was my fault. But um, as I was watching the movie, like I was, I wasn't going to cry myself, but I was like, "Wow, this is a pretty charged emotional moment." And then I hear like multiple people start sobbing. Mm-hmm. Like you hear that because it's the theater silent, and all of a sudden you hear this, <laughs> and I'm like, "Whoa!" <laughs> and one of them was my cousin. <laughs> but that's the so that's what I mean. Like, there's something about having that experience where maybe. Maybe you're feeling like 50% emotion, but then you, 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 you feel the energy of somebody who's 100%. Mm-hmm. And you're just right. like, wow, like it, it just kind of elevates. Same thing with comedies. They're always funnier to watch with people than by yourself because once Absolutely. other people get laughing, it kind of it, it elevates the experience. So I like, I mean, that was for Marvel fans mm-hmm. and people who love Black Panther, the character, maybe they don't even like the rest of the Marvel Universe that much. This was their emotional moment yes, to, right. to have yes. the catharsis. And well, then... You get to go with the rest of them. And I think you answered that idea where everybody's watching from afar, even though they can't see it. That is. Oh, that's that, a good point. That is. That's it. literally what we you were doing. Have, yeah, we're watching from afar. We're one of those people out in the building. We're not there, even though they bring it in a little closer because it's a movie. But that's the community thing. As long as the person next to you, if you can see somebody in their house watching it and they can see somebody watching it closer, you're essentially there. Mm-hmm. They're connecting those emotions all the way down to that right there to the casket well and with that connection um going back to relentlessly resilient which is one of the other podcasts and that's one that that josh has been on um we deal a lot with grief and dealing with struggles and trials in their life and one of the biggest things the five pillars of of dealing with grief is connection is connecting with others through your story through service through uh just interaction and being honest and that's what we do in the theater it's it's connecting to the story and connecting to each other uh, which is why I love, love, love going opening weekends to things. Well, and so I saw Till a couple of weeks ago, and then I see Black Panther, and both of those, you know, deal very centrally about grief. And watching, you know, 
I don't know T'Challa personally. <laughs> He's not real. You know, but I didn't but know do. Emmett Till. <laughs> I do know him. Oh, I mean, I, I've read him in the comics. But, but you know, it, it's a fictional character. But even though Chadwick Boseman passed away, but it's watching the people who, you know, as we're watching the movie, we're immersing ourselves in it. So, yes, Angela Bassett is Queen Ramonda, and that's her son, even though it's not Angela Bassett's son. But so watching their grief, watching uh, Mamie Till uh, grieve Emmett, like you can't help mm. but get caught up in that. And that, uh, you know, that's, I think, part of the reason that people are giving uh, Angela Bassett, you know, some potential Oscar love was how she was she amazing. Portrayed, She's yeah, my queen. Like, she she oh, yeah. portrayed <laughs> anger and frustration and grief and despair. And, uh, you know, that she finds a way to portray what you imagine it feels like for a parent who outlives their kid, because that's not the natural order of things. No. Parents are not supposed to outlive their children. And so that comes through in one of her especially her fiery speech about have I not given everything. And um, so, yeah, just a whole lot of emotions. It's funny that Benedict Cumberbatch just recently was like, well, the Marvel movies don't really have much of an emotional core. I'm Uh like, well, Well, I guess they hadn't showed you a cut of Wakanda forever yet then, uh, Benedict. Well, and just quick on top of that is that, you know, I've heard a lot of people since I speak for the black community, as we said. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I do really have my own opinion. They have their opinion. But somebody did say, I mean, I'm not from Africa, so – I had some African friends say, that's how an African mother mourns. <sighs> that is an unusual. With the loud things, wailing. Yeah, the loud that. wailing. This is, this is a cultural opening that nobody would know unless you've been to an African funeral in Africa probably, which okay. most of us haven't here in Utah. So this is pretty deep, and that's where she gets those award recognitions possibly, and that's where that's building is she did that exactly. Some people that are watching this are saying, that's a, fun- that's a real funeral right there, like – you can't, oh, you can't fix that. No? So. I love it. I love it. Well, I hate to play this bed to signal that we're coming up on a break because it doesn't feel like it's it's somber enough based no on what we've been talking about. We'll say it's a celebration. celebration. Yeah, it's awesome. All right. So we're going to take a quick break here on Fan Effect. And when we get back, we'll actually dive into the plot of the movie beyond just the uh, the dealing with uh, T'Challa's death because that is a central plot, but there's also a whole lot else oh, that yeah. goes on, including the introduction of one of Marvel's oldest characters. In fact, the first Marvel superhero, if you're going in real world, really? according to comics timeline. Uh, and that's name. Wow. We'll talk about that right when we get back. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, segment two, Fan Effect, talking Black Panther, Wakanda forever. Andy Farnsworth, Kellyanne Halverson, and Joshua Chamberlain. All right, so now let's get into the actual plot of the movie before we get into things like, you know, really fun spoilery things and Yay. surprises and things that we didn't expect. Cutscenes. So the we pick up after the death of T'Challa. Shuri's trying to save his life. Uh, the consequences from the original Black Panther movie of, um, of uh, why can't I think of his name right now? The Killmonger? gold Black Panther, Killmonger, <laughs> destroying all the heart-shaped flowers. Um, Shuri's trying to recreate one. Yeah, because um, he's sick. We don't get to see Chadwick Boseman, obviously, because he passed away before they started filming. I was curious if they were going to try to do 
some kind of image or CG or, or you know, mm-hmm. some kind of trickery to at least show him like somehow. Like Star Wars? Yeah. Kind yeah. Of with, Maybe. Yeah. I didn't know. I, I felt like that'd probably end up being disrespectful. Yeah. Um, but uh, I didn't. I, I don't know. I thought maybe we would. At any rate, instead, all we see is his DNA and her solutions not mm-hmm. compatible, not right. helping. She prints out something that's only like 20% compatible, but she's like, I got to take a chance. He's not going to last longer. It's going to be this or nothing, and she's still too late. And then then we jump ahead after the funeral, and now they're dealing with this fact. All the Wakandan tribal councils are together. Like, what do we do now? Black Panther doesn't have, or Wakanda doesn't have a protector, and we don't have the heart-shaped flower to make a protector. What are we supposed to do? Go to the United Nations, and uh, we later. get this really cool scene with uh, the U.S. and France saying, like, hey, we need this vibranium, and they're not trading with us like T'Challa made it sound like. Um, meanwhile, at the same time, the countries are breaking in trying to steal some uh-huh. uh, at, a, at a remote research lab. Uh, and then that really cool scene where the queen brings in the guys accused. So she's not just making some false claims. She's like, all right, bring them in. Here's all the people that were doing the thing you just said they weren't doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish that could happen in real life oh, sometimes. Oh, I wish, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, not to get too political, but just just realize what's going on here. They've chosen <laughs> France and the U.S. Africa's over here keeping to themselves, mm-hmm. and you have them breaking into their facilities. I'm just saying. <laughs> what? There's no possible connection between real world and the and the fiction. <laughs> So we have this situation happen, um, but the problem is, is that the way they even knew that, that is that there's vibranium has been detected outside of Wakanda that the Wakandans didn't even know about. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only reason machine. that anybody else knows is because a research lab finds it, including Lake Bell, who's one of my favorite actresses that nobody really knows about. She, her and her team have found the vibranium. They tried to drill into it and it didn't work. They send down the divers to find what happened. The divers disappear with some, and you don't creepiness. see anything exactly. And then it's like Jaws—you don't suddenly, see the shark at the first, and that's why it's yep. scary. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly people start appearing, and the crew starts throwing themselves off the deck. I'm assuming that's to imitate <gasps> the siren music. It's frightening, mm-hmm. yeah. And because you're not sure, like, what is that the soundtrack or is that like happening in the movie? Right. And then mm-hmm. people start throwing off. You're like, oh, it's happening in the movie. Uh, they try to escape. Something magically, their helicopter starts spinning. We don't get to see at that point what's going on. We just know that they're not getting away. And the people down on the deck have have essentially taken the rig. Well, Shuri throws herself into her work. The queen says, like, you got to deal with this. Takes her camping on the beach. Mm-hmm. They got to do one year later. They're, they're the really cool ceremony of burning the, the burial shroud. Exactly. Stuff, I loved. Which I, was, I, was, I don't know if that's a cultural that thing, that's too, real. but it was cool anyway, whether it's made up for the movie or real. It's a cool thing. But then they're on the beach and suddenly out walks this guy with pointy ears and wings on his feet. Mm-hmm. Which is really weird. If Like for me, I'm not com- familiar with the character of Namor. And I'm like. That's an interesting choice, but I guess it's comic realistic. Yeah, so. but here's the thing. It's one thing to have wings on his feet and he's flying, but you never see the wings move. I mean, they're just on his feet. You won't even notice them half the time. I didn't even notice they weren't actually wiggling around, but I guess if you no, want No, no, they were in the movie. Okay. But you in the comics, you never even look. I mean, you know they're yeah. there and that's how he flies, air quotes. Right. But you don't think about like, what would that really honestly look like? Right. But to be accurate, 
they put the wings on his feet. And actually, if you think about some of the action scenes, even from the trailer, the way he's kind of hopping around, yeah, that seems sense. to make more sense for somebody with wings on their feet than like just smooth flight that can like turn in the air at any angle or anything like that. Right. If all the propulsion's coming from the feet, it's going to be more like hopping around right. than it is, you know, a Superman like type. Iron Man. Yeah. yeah. Or where you can turn yeah, thrust at any angle right. or anything. So. Anyway, he comes out and he says, look, uh, they found vibranium outside of Wakanda. And she's like, what? And he's like, well, we know about it because we live right next to it. <laughs> yeah. We're and, there. And then he says, this is how they found it. And they're like, whoa, they've invented a vibranium detector. He's like, yep. And you need to find the person who did it. Make sure they don't have anything. I don't want people coming near my civilization. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, sounds an awful lot like a certain country that's full of vibranium. That was their policy for hundreds and I guess a thousand years or something Mm -hmm. like that. So even as he's describing his civilization, you're already seeing the similarities between Wakanda and Talakan, I believe, is what they how they pronounce it. I think so. You don't know that yet. It was Atlantis in the comics. Unfortunately, DC beat him to the punch, and so <laughs> they weren't going to just have it be Atlantis. There, I actually really like how they adjusted Namor's story for the. Oh, movie. I loved oh, it. I think so too. But, the Mesoamerican angle, the yeah, Mayan. They why actually not? were speaking the Mayan language. It was brilliant. It was beautiful. And actually, I don't know if you knew this, but I read uh, that uh, Lupita Nyong'o speaks Spanish. She's like uh, part Latin. Yeah, he's I didn't a, know he's that. Act- oh, she, she. I mean, sorry. Does all that? She's Nakia. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but I mean, she's like, I got to actually speak Spanish in a movie. That's so cool. That's so cool. <laughs> I mean, with her name, you'd think she's just straight African, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And but, so, but no, nope, she has some, some, some Latin too. <laughs> so that's the thing. You get this scientist, or we're coming to war with Wakanda, and we will beat you. Well, and that moment is kind of frustrating as well because you can tell there's like this big emotional release about to happen, and we're finally facing the the death of Chakala. And then we're interrupted by this big thing. And it's like, uh. <laughs> but that's it's true. That's life as well. So, But that just gives Shuri more of the movie to, you know, motivate to, herself to, and, yes, right, yes, yes. and help drive the plot. But at any rate, the Wakandans didn't believe anybody could beat them. But they also don't know how he got the detector in, how he got through their shields and all of those things. And they just they don't know anything about him. Mm-hmm. So now they're faced with a, a mystery. They got to go to New York and find what turns out to be a... Uh, a black girl version of Tony Stark, a genius teenager right. who's at an advanced, um, you know, school. Although it was funny that what were they saying? Like MIT was like the Wakandan elementary school or right. something yeah, like yeah. that. Like I thought that was a funny little little dig that they threw in there. Um, but she doesn't even realize what's going on. She doesn't realize that the government's after her, mm-hmm. and right. they got to get to her. You know, they're under orders to actually take her to take her to to avoid war in to Wakanda. Wakanda. But mm-hmm. of course. You know, Shuri's a little bit softer hearted than that. So she's not all about killing a teenage girl (laughs) who probably reminds her very much of herself. Yes, yes, yes. And so they uh, improvise. None of you knew this, but uh, Letitia Wright actually got injured during that motorcycle chase scene in real life. They had to suspend her part of the production for a bit. Oh, wow. Because she got thrown off the bike and she like broke her shoulder and her collarbone and... Wow. Yeah, so there was some. She really threw herself into that role. I I have to go back to one of the, my favorite lines in the film right there uh, when they're trying to get her out of the school and convince her to come. Like, okay, we'll just leave you to the murderous mermaids. Like, <laughs> yeah, huh? she's like, wait, and that's okay. Maybe I'll think about this. But then the government is right on their heels, and yes, so yes, yes. Right. this is where we get reintroduced to Martin Freeman's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot his name actually. Everett Ross. It Everett Ross. And then we get a little tie into our Marvel. Disney Plus shows Yay. when out walks uh, Contessa Valentina de Fontaine, uh, played by Julia Louis Dreyfus, 
And we find out that she was married to Martin Freeman at one point. Is She's also now the director accurate? of the... Do you know? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if Martin Ross's character was in the comics. Okay. It was so, fun. Either way, it was fun. She's a character from the comics, mm-hmm. but she was kind of involved more with Nick Fury, at least ah. in the comics. So having her be related to someone in the sort of the espionage industry makes sense. But again, these are all new things. You know, that I, I, I do like... Initially, I was more opposed to this as a longtime comic book fan, but the more they departed from the comic stories, because the comic stories were loved for a reason. They were plotted right. They had cool reveals for people who knew the characters. So then when, like three movies in, all of a sudden they're doing Age of Ultron. I'm like, Age of Ultron's like 60 years into the history of the (laughs) Avengers. How can you go there that quick? You change the medium. You change the message a bit, but you still have the same heart. But they've done well. And so it's actually kind of nice because... They can do what they want in the story. So when I expect them to zig and zag, Captain America dies at the end of Civil War in the comics. Doesn't in the movie. No. And it worked. Mm-hmm. Although I thought he was going to maybe for a minute. But, right. Um, but now I can go to these movies. So I have different levels. If they stick to comic source material, now I'm just looking to see how do they make it look. But they've diverted enough that now I know generally what happened before, right. but I don't know how they're going to do it this time. So then the question is, did I like it? Yeah. And do I, if I don't like it, is it? Do I only not like it because it's not the way I liked it in right, the other story, right. or do I not like it because I was just like, huh? And is it consistent with the previous storytelling of that universe, whether it's comic right. or movie? You know, does it make sense to fit in there? And then you have DC, which outside of Batman and Superman, I don't know anything about. Sigh. So Black Adam was like, yeah, that's fun. I don't know if that's how Doctor Fate is in the comics, yeah. but it was cool on the screen. I don't know if these other people are like that in the comics, but I liked them on the screen. So to me, right. so that's my three levels. My my basic where I don't know anything, so I can just enjoy it. And then my basic where I, I know a lot, but they're doing different things. And then the oh, it's got to be like this, <laughs> right? Well, and then you have me, who I I've read some comics, but I'm not a comic fanatic, so I don't know a lot about the comics. So I'm just looking at the consistency between movie to movie to movie to see if they're keeping those characters at least interesting and relevant to the character that was there before. Mm -hmm. For instance, like the Spider-Mans. I have a hard time with Spider-Man. I used to love Spider-Man. There's too many Spider-Mans now. Now there's Spider-Universe. It's like, okay, I didn't know about all this. If the Spider-Universe was there before, didn't know about it. Now there's too much. I, you and get now it's over. Yeah. And I prefer Tobey Maguire, by the way. Everybody, Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. So hey, I just... I was raised on that, yeah. I just... I don't, I don't hate on... I actually like all three of the Spider-Man. Well, there I, you go. I got all emotional watching them on uh, oh, No Way yeah. Home. Oh, yeah. Walmart, yeah. Um, so I, I agree with you. Make your own rules, but just obey your own rules. Right, yeah. right. That, that's it's an important thing. It's the laws of magic. When you're writing a story, law of magic, you have to keep it. Yeah, the right. Same. Mm-hmm. All uh, all people who uh, are dipped in water have power over water, <laughs> except this guy because it works with the story better. Yeah, well, exactly. no, 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 no. You, you can't. Do that. I just no, wanted to surprise you. Oh, well, yeah. Well, it it doesn't mm-hmm. apply to everybody, but this one. Yeah. Well, it was nice to have Martin Freeman back in and everything because he'd already developed that relationship with the Wakandan people. Like even what's her name, um, Okoya. She's like, it's time to go visit my favorite colonizer. Like, right. like you had that relationship ready to go, and it already was established. This is going to be a bit of the comedic relief in it. Was was this kind of sub sub story stub line and everything like that? And also, this is how the rest of the world is connecting to Wakanda because, like, we don't have the rest of the superheroes at the funeral procession, which right. I was grateful for. I wanted it to be more family, more culturally based within that, or how easy it would have been if it was like 
Tony Stark's funeral where everyone hey, We don't know that they weren't one of the people dressed in the big crowd shot. True. You can true. always just throw that in That's later. True, true. <laughs> maybe, true. They gave a nod to, maybe they gave a nod to COVID, too. Maybe, yeah. maybe. maybe it was a little hard well, to We get didn't have COVID in Wakanda because yeah. we were isolated, isolated from everybody yeah. else. True, true. I didn't want anybody to come in. <laughs> so we have the plot moving forward is they they decide they're not going to turn Ryrie over to, uh, mm-hmm. to Namor. So Namor comes and gets her. Yeah. Out of Wakanda, and that's a pretty cool battle scene where the Atlanteans, where the, oh, you you, you the, skipped a little bit. There. What did I miss? Um, they actually come to get her, but Shuri's like, no, I'll go with you with her. You, you skipped her being actually down in Atlantis. And everything. oh, see, I thought okay, and then I'm yeah, getting strong. Yeah. I thought that happened the, after the kidnapping, but the, the kidnapping bridge. comes after they got her back out. Right, then they go to war. That's right. Yeah, okay, yeah. all right. Want to restate that? And I'll just edit no, no, it no that's fine. Right. I, I got it wrong, I, but now I know what you're talking about. They have the fight on the bridge, and then two key characters that at first. Um, I was like, oh, wait, that's right. There were a couple other uh, members of Namor's. They're Atlanteans in the... Uh, the blue people. Atlantis. <laughs> Avatarian blue yeah, people that love the there water, was too. Namora, although she went by Namorita for a while, and she was white, and then she turned blue in the comics. So they just started with her blue here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Atuma, who's the other guy, because... He seemed like he was more than just the average soldier. And right. so I was like, wait a minute. There's one guy who, like, at one point tried to lead an invasion of the surface world. Mm. What was it? Is it Akuma? No. And then they say it, Atuma. I was like, that's right, Atuma. There we go. So I knew that those two were going to end up playing a bigger role. Plus, you got to have somebody from Baku to fight at some point, right? Oh, yeah. Although Absolutely. it ends up being Okoye who ends up fighting him, right. uh, which was actually a really cool scene. And out. she kind of she kind of loses at least on the bridge. Well, because she has character development, too. It's like this is a well-written movie. Yeah, imagine that. No, actually, I did think that while I was watching the movie was, like, I actually care what these different characters think. Like, what does Mbaku and his gorilla tribe think from the mountains? Right. Right? You know, what what about the other people? Like, I I get why they would do this. And and, And it shows it. And Okoye. And, like, where is Nakia? Like, where is she? Mm -hmm. And so it turns out, you know, she's gone off to... Haiti, Haiti or Haiti, as they Haiti. kept saying it, which is probably how you're supposed to say yes, it. <laughs> you know, from the We Are the World, Haiti, Haiti. Oh, anyway, never that's mind. How I didn't it. know that. Yeah, actually. So at the end of, uh, um, I forgot who the singer is, but he says it the correct way. He sings it for I'm the World, Haiti. But uh, anyway, yeah. Come on. <laughs> so yeah, learn new things. Well, going back, so Shuri's the one who's, who offers herself to go to be kidnapped along with Riri. And I think that right there, even though she's fighting. Uh, the mantle of being a Black Panther, being a leader, being a queen someday. Uh, even just her actions are showing that, yes, she's ready for this. So back to that little bit of character development. She's like, yes, I will go with Riri. If you're going to take her, you're taking me also. So, there and you go. so they go down to Atlantis, and this is where we finally get Namor's backstory, mm-hmm. which is interesting because I don't know why he's named Namor in the comics other than he was. But. <laughs> Having it be sing now more, like without love, and then they just shorten it to Namor. I was like, that's pretty clever. Oh, yeah. That's Spanish, a play on Spanish. So well, I mean, speak Portuguese, yeah. but it's the oh, same. Same base. But I was like, no, that's a pretty clever way to come up with his name. I had mm-hmm. to give him credit for that. Um, but making him essentially the Mayan version. And he drops the M word mutant. He did. Mm. I, yeah, because that's that the that first time in the, in the movies that we've gotten the word mutant dropped. It was in, they dropped it in one of the TV shows, but. This is the first time. Uh, Ms. Marvel, the, what is it? Yeah, Ms. Marvel. Ms. Marvel, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah but I this am is the first time they drop mm. it in the movie. He's one of the first mutants, and it it came from uh, the vibranium that hit in the ocean, and his, his family, or his mom changed, and then he was born. So I guess he's like half human and half. 
It's kind of like, it's kind of like know. a Black Panther thing as well because it, it has they have their own version of the the heart shaped herb. Uh, right. It was like that weird coral, whatever they right. call it. That's what helped transform. So it's mutant as well as kind of magic-y transformation vibranium stuff going on. All it knows, it was awesome, and that city was beautiful. It was really cool. And watching a lot of those underwater sequences, um, it doesn't have to be a one-to-one comparison. Like everything that happened in this doesn't have to be compared to how Aquaman yeah, did it yeah. and vice no. versa. Each is their own thing. I thought Aquaman's was cool by because I was curious how they communicated underwater. So in Aquaman, they just created air bubbles, which is where sound would generate. Mm-hmm. And somehow Namor can talk being under it's the fine. sea. Yes. And it's like, okay, fine. Who cares? I mean, right. good night. We're talking about a guy with wings on his ankles and the, <laughs> Are we getting nitpick of, well, I don't think that sound would travel through water like that. How it's does like he sound generate space the sound? argument all over again. Exactly. It just is. Like, <laughs> let's have some fun with it. We're, we're nitpicking over a small thing when we're, we're, we're straining at a gnat while we're swallowing a big giant camel that these characters even exist in the first well, place. And how great of something that I've nitpicked, I guess, a lot um, is so many times when you have political intrigue, there's like a communication problem that they just kind of ignore and never slow down and actually talk to the Yes, that happens all the time. They didn't do that in this one. Like, Shuri is actually speaking to Namor. They're talking politics. They're talking their different beliefs right. and stuff. They really are trying. They they have a dialogue and are trying to figure out a way to understand each other before the actual fight begins. And well, I have such respect for that. The, the lack of communication part becomes when Queen Ramonda acts without Shuri knowing. So yes, Shuri's like actually negotiating Ramonda. pretty good here and thinks that she might have some kind of a solution. Right. Mm-hmm. But the queen, who's already lost everything, is like, nope, not losing another Send kid. Send Go, right. go save Send her. in my top agent and do whatever you got to do and get my daughter out. And what are you going to do? Refuse the queen that? Plus, it's also right. your friend that you're going to save. And, you know, and so, of course, that then go escalates everything, mm-hmm. especially when they kill the, the guard. Oh, yeah. <sighs> and sure, he wants to try to save her real quick. But nope, nope don't have time. Got to get you out. Which was emotional. I was surprisingly emotional about that part because it was just like a. It was a random person a, that we don't know. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow. Wow. Well, and I want to plug there as well that. That human connection again that they keep bringing back, there's a lot more of it. The destruction of people all around them is crazy because I guess what I'm saying is my favorite moment is that they zoom in on a bunch of the Atlanteans while they're there or the underwater people. Talk. Talk. Well, how would you I'm going to have to look at it. Talacon? Ah, I'm going to have to look it up. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to take a second here. We love it even if we can't pronounce it. Talakonians. Okay. <laughs> the people oh, of Talakon. The people of Talakon. That, uh, that Namor leads, um, they die. And that's a big deal to Namor. Yeah. yeah. Interesting that they both, because the, the similarities continue. I don't want the Western colonizers. Well, that's a loaded word, colonizers, and I'm sure that that will upset some people who it hear will. it. But when you look at the characters... You can't argue. That was one of the great things about the first Black Panther movie was it was like, hey, if all this stuff went on in the real world for black people oh, yeah. and there was this, a whole nation of superheroes, why the heck did all this stuff go on for black people? That's where I thought Coogler did the best was like, OK, well, let's make this vibranium something that they feel so important to protect that they have to let this in order to preserve right. the greater good. And then, of course, T'Challa was the one who was like, I feel like they shouldn't be mutually exclusive. Let's open it up. Right. Now we've got Namor who... Witness, he crawls out of the ocean and watches all of his relatives and his, you know, I don't know if there's descendants or whatever because it's been a while. He's watching them basically enslaved by the people who'd mm-hmm. arrived. So right. all these the specific parallels mm-hmm. between Wakanda and Talakan 
is what I think is one of the most fascinating parts of the movie is how do you fight against somebody who you completely understand their motivations? Why would you want to fight with somebody? Yes. It's funny that you bring that up because right after, so I had this note of, you know, these two indigenous, you know, places, these people living, they're living peacefully amongst themselves. Well, what is the factor that's causing them to fight? Well, you have an outside force. The same reason why they live underwater and the same reason Wakanda is living in the shield. Because people want what they feel is a threat. They try to put them down. If we want to get political again, that is still a current issue. People get threatened by this idea of the growth of a country that has tons of resources. So we hold them down. We'll enslave them. Mm -hmm. We'll put them behind bars. I mean, that that is that idea. And so then what that does is... You have different reactions. Wakanda's like, we'll just stay out of it. We'll try to go to the UN. The people of, one more time. Talakan. They're not being invited to the UN. They don't even know they, they exist. They don't want to go to the UN. They don't want to go to the UN. They want to fight. And so you have these two different, so now you have two options of where to go about it. They don't agree. Now they're fighting each other. And again, you're not focusing on the actual issue, which is you guys are just trying to protect the same thing. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's... Well, and they tried... Well, Namor tries to explain that to Ramonda and to Shuri. Shuri's the one who seems to understand it. Um, but again, because of the recent grief felt right. by the queen, it's... she. If you've never grieved the loss of a really, really close... Like an actual relative, like a first-generation relative, whether it's a parent or a child or a sibling. Right. You can be really close to your grandma... I guess if your grandma raises you, that would probably come pretty close, right. to be quite honest. But when you lose a first generation next, it's like a different level of grief. You know, I said you, don't, you when you die out of order, right. you know, you're you're not supposed to die before your your uh, your kids aren't supposed to die before you, but also you're not supposed to die before your kids are grown. You know, like right. the death of a parent at a young age has a, a huge impact. So when you're going through that kind of grief. You don't think straight. You're irritated a lot more easily. And this this goes for any grief, but it, it seems to like be intensified the closer it is to you that it yeah. happens. And right. and it takes you longer and it and it makes you irrational at times. And something that three years later, when you've kind of come to a little bit more terms or you've gotten used to you know, them being gone, them. you never like you don't oh, I don't miss them anymore. You don't get to that point. Right. But you you also get to the point where it's not generally it doesn't consume every waking moment like it does at the beginning. But this is still inside that window. It's still been a year, but you got the stresses of being the queen. You got the stresses of not having a protector. Now you've got the stresses of your daughter being kidnapped. I mean, that's when you break. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so then uh, when they when they pull Ryrie out of, of Talakan, they take her back to Wakanda, which they now believe is where her safest place is. I mean, it's where they kept Winter Soldier. It's mm-hmm. where... You know, they've, they've managed thousands of years to not be invaded. Thanos was the only one who got inside. Right. And they almost drove him back out. Right. Uh, and if he hadn't been able to snap them all into oblivion, they would have beaten him. Right. So there's a certain air of invincibility that the Wakandans must feel. I mean, oh, yeah. these They're are totally underwater surprised people. by Namor oh, popping yeah. up in the middle of the river. These like, are underwater. Wait, once he gets on land, we've got him. We've got air superiority. We've got land superiority. Mm-hmm. It's our town. Yeah, yeah, they can come in, but they don't know what the extent of the Atlantans' weapon or the Talakanian weapons are, which turn out to be little tiny things that can create a whole ocean of water. Yeah. Which is end up, we get to the point where Namor attacks the actual capital of Wakanda with Queen right. Ramonda and mm-hmm. Riri in the in the throne room, essentially. Mm-hmm. And this is now Ramonda's moment of truth. Right. Give the girl up 
save the rest of her people, which is kind of what she wanted to do in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right. Or kind of follow what her daughter is saying. of Like, we can't let this happen. So then, of course, the, here's a big spoiler. The queen doesn't make it. Nope. But she saves Ryrie's life. Mm-hmm. Right. So in the end, no matter whatever she stumbled along the way, she got that part right. Yeah. Right. But then now the anger and rage transfers to Shuri. Mm-hmm. Right. Shuri was like, well, I miss my brother, but I'm not thinking about it. And you can't make me. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden it's. I want to watch the world burn. Like, yeah. Well, well now that, her mom's she lost gone her, too. She lost yeah. her father. She lost her brother. Yep. She lost her. It's every single thing. Um, and, oh yeah, and uh, Okoye ugh. was disbarred from the Dora Milaje for right. Uh, right. Letting, so everyone's gone. Yep. Well, and and it kind of brings back. I love one of the things that Namor says when he uh, speaks about his mother passing and everything like that. Only much broken people. Uh, can be great leaders. Kind of that experience of, of being broken, of grieving, of, of having something and overcoming it is what makes you a great leader. And that's something now that Shuri has to face as everyone is gone now. And see, I saw that line a little bit different. Yeah. Because Namor wasn't speaking from a, I'm sorry that your mother's dead. Namor's still speaking from, I need to get my way and I need my people to not be known by the surface no, world. So it was still from a selfish point of very selfish point of view that Namor said that line. So when I heard, I think that's an actually a cool perspective that I didn't consider because I was hearing it as See, I, I imagined that, uh, as, as like, he was probably saying it in, you know, only broken people can be great leaders. Like, Oh, so you're only broken people can be late, great leaders. And I'm like, only broken people. And I'm thinking like, I'm like, uh, no, I think uh, some great leaders can do it without being broken. I'm sorry that it happened to you, but uh, that's usually what the broken people say to justify some of the things that they're trying to do. That's interesting. That's how I saw it. Well, now that you both say it, though, they're both true in some ways because you do have to have – if you look at it from your perspective, um, well – That's me. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like being broken does give you a relation to people. For instance, um, the queen having her son die, she wouldn't have – would she have protected this girl from the outside world whose country has been invading there? You know, maybe not, maybe. But we're going to. Uh, that's a hard decision in the moment because yeah, you don't have decision. a lot of time to make it. But her son's dead. She's broken. She made the decision based on mm-hmm. your husband's dead. Everyone. She made the decision based on being a little broken. Mm-hmm. So as a broken person, she made a great leadership possibly decision. Whereas if she wasn't. Who knows? Might but have let it roll. At the same well, time. But no, but that's the thing is that it, it's kind of a Kobayashi Maru scenario. There's not really yeah. a way to win and make everybody happy Never. because it's either I got to sacrifice more of my people, people for this girl who's not really part of our country. Right. That was a chance to be exclusionary, which they were forever. She was raised in that culture of exclusionary. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until her son changed it that they, I mean, we're talking, right. this is like a five, six year and half of it, they were all blipped. Five, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's some there's some crazy stuff happening. Yeah, there. I, don't, I don't know if Ryan Coogler thought this deep into it. I don't know. Maybe we're maybe we're English class dissecting things into a level that maybe it wasn't initially intended. Oh, I don't but that's know. the fun of it. That's why we love these deep dives. But it, it, the fact of the matter, it is that. Yeah. These are all mm-hmm. things that have happened in the relatively short time. So anyway, she saves Ryrie's life. But what actually happens to Ryrie after that? I suddenly forgot. She helps her develop the Iron Man's, the Iron Hearts suit, suit. and uh, do right, the but heart. So Namor withdraws without Ryrie. 
Yeah, because he said she's like, I give you, I'll give you, is it seven days or something like that? I'll, yeah. I'll give oh, seven days mourn. to that's bury right. your dead. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So they mm-hmm. they had a a mourning period, which they which had to figure out a plan. Diplomatic. That's also like very that. good <laughs> a and a plot. cultural thing. That's a plot. <laughs> that, that's where the culture and the plot work together yeah. to help to give them a chance to to figure out their counter move. Um, but then, of course, that's when um, Shuri finally develops the heart shaped flower. Yeah, right. She yeah. takes it. And she goes, now, oh, here's my question. Oh, Who were you expecting to see in her vision? Oh, I know they knew. were setting it up for T'Challa. Like Absolutely. you expected somehow. Everybody expected him. But everybody I thought, okay, maybe him. it's the queen. Maybe right. it's the dad like that came to. Yeah. to everybody see, everybody I was thinking you were expecting T'Challa, but it would be the mom. Right. But, well, but then you knew it was a guy based on the haircut. Yeah. Yeah. And so then, and then you're like, then, like, once you saw Michael B. Jordan, you're like, Wow. I don't know why he's here, but okay, this works. Mm -hmm. But then I really thought that it was, it it turned out writing wise, it turned out to be a good choice. Although they didn't reveal that in initial. You thought you'd seen the whole vision, but you didn't. Um, When he's just like, uh, why are you here? I don't know, cuz, why am I here? Yeah. (laughs) No, it was, I I love that moment. (laughs) And he still had the little, all the little scars on his chest. Yeah, the killing scarification. So that, that was one of the fun surprises. Even how he's like sitting, like, I'll I'll chill and like I'm in charge. I'm. I'm I wondered cool about if there this. was any some like uh, multiverse version believe. where Michael B. Jordan would come back and be a good guy and be the Black Panther. Let's have it be What If season two or something. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, and it's funny. I have to say it now because I'll forget. So that moment when Michael B. Jordan was there, and then we'll talk about a little bit how it resolved. But that to me was okay. Not all of us can have every role. For instance, the Queen has to make a decision between saving her people and Riri. But then you have the this other part where it's like, okay, do I follow what he's saying or am I going to make a different choice? Because all we know right now is he's kind of this mysterious person, not telling her to do the best thing, but you're like, she has to make a choice to save her people, to do what it takes. And so he gives her that. And he's passion. the embodiment of that because that was yeah. his plan. Yeah, like, that was his plan. We're gonna, so, I'm going to make up for all the oppression. Right. I'm going to arm everybody. Right. And we're going to. To me, this is one of the interesting things, Uh, and I don't don't want to delve too much uh, into culture because I'll end up getting out of my depth too quick (laughs) for sure. But uh, one of the things I've always found interesting is do do people who are oppressed or who find themselves on the lower end of the power chain, Mm -hmm. do they want equality or do they want a reversal? And I feel like they say they want to meet in the middle, but what they really want is a reversal of what it was. So for for Michael B. Jordan – for uh, Killmonger's character, he didn't want to. Sh- in fact, I think he said he's like, I don't want to share it. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to flip it upside down so right. that they feel what it's been like for all these years. Right. And T'Challa said, No, I don't think that's the way. And that's why he opened the outreach centers instead of going. Because I mean, Killmonger was trying to offer that to T'Challa. Like, you got to do this because right. your dad right. killed my dad. Like. The ruthlessness is in you. Right. You you went to such great lengths to leave people like this. Why don't you go the other direction? And that was one of T'Challa's, you know, hero choices that he had to right. make in the last movie. Um, but that's – for for Shuri, I didn't feel like it was that same choice. It was more like he's just like feeding the fire. Yeah. I mean, when she, yeah. she specifically said, I want to see it burn. Right. And he's like, go oh, do it. Right. Burn them mm-hmm. all down. Well, and, and she, and was she following- did. And he was also following Namor's kind of vision of, you know, we got to do what it takes and we've been wronged. But mm-hmm. I do think and I'm I'm going to insert this just quick because of the queen. I think because of their balance, personally, that's what makes it work, though. You do have to have some passion. You do have to have some fire to go out and do something. And 
equality doesn't come by sitting back and being like, that is it's true. okay. Mm-hmm. It'll work go, out. You no, got to go take it because they ain't going to give you. You do have to want something to burn sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to say that on the air. And that's fair. Because sometimes that gives that passion to get out and go do something. Then you have to step back again and say, okay, how much do you want to burn? You really want everything to burn, or do we want certain policies, certain ideals, certain situations to burn? And, and you always have to be did. careful with fire because it doesn't always do exactly what you want no, it to it do. Backdraft was a whole movie about it. that. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. <laughs> well, and added to this idea of wanting revenge against those who have wronged her, she's also dealing with a lot of guilt on herself because she feels responsible for not curing her brother for right. not having the uh, create, recreating the um, heart. What is it called? The heart-shaped herb. flower. Um, herb. And so it's all these different layers of intense emotion. And she's still really, really young. I don't think she's really a teenager in this one. She's like probably in her like 20s or something like that, maybe 19, 20. Um, and when you're that young, it's hard to deal with emotion anyway. And it's hard to learn how to react and everything. So she's dealing with guilt. She's dealing with wanting revenge. She's dealing with sorrow. She's dealing with anger. And she has to be a leader now. Like as soon as... Queen Ramona passes away. What's the first thing? One of the first things someone says is they they call Shuri queen. Like there's so many different layers of, of her trying to deal with this death and the responsibilities she feels because of it. So I just I love that scene. Yep. It's beautiful. So Namor uh, does finally they, they they say all right we got seven days we're gonna have to bring him to us like we gotta we can't just let him dictate the terms. They figure out. Uh, which is something that is comic and Spider-Man and his amazing friends cartoon accurate, <laughs> is that you can dry Namor out and he loses some of his strength and power. <laughs> so that's what they figure out is that they're just going to dry him out and see what they can do. Um, they get... What? Spider-Man's Amazing <laughs> Friends was the greatest cartoon I when I was growing up. It, I loved it. It's one of those ones where it's such a simple and easy solution, but like it's also such a simple and easy solution. Like It's it's very poetic. And, no. and but they terms. don't know anything about him. They and he figure wouldn't know because he yeah. stays the whole time down there. He's well, I don't even know if Namor bit. knew that was his right? weakness yeah. either. Yeah. yeah. So, it so they out. sucker him out by, oh, we built this new detector. Come get it. Mm-hmm. And then, we have a great recruiting sc- scene as well where we're getting more of the female warriors and everything like that. I love a montage of recruiting and building and getting ready scene. Yeah, we can't have a superhero movie without some kind of montage. You have to have the montage. So then they take the battle out to the ocean and it all starts. They've got ways to defeat the... They're using sonic things to kind of keep the the Talokanians, the people of Talokan off of the ship. They want Namor to come in and then Shuri's ready for him. They trap him. He still manages to get the ship crashed. And then it's essentially a fight to the death. Which is awesome. Which is how they wanted it. I mean, I think both of them kind of wanted that. Uh, Shuri's losing. She's Mm -hmm. losing. She's also kind of, her rage is getting to her. And, And of course, we're supposed to wonder. I, I got to admit, I wasn't 100% sure. I mean, I knew she couldn't kill him. It's Namor. Mm-hmm. Right. But I wondered if she would try to kill him, which is in superhero, the attempt is it's the same as, the, as yep. the deed because they're mm-hmm. not supposed to want to. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in her fighting she, style, that kind of bugged me a bit. It was very gymnastic lady fighting. And I don't know. I was, I, it was a little cat-like. I don't know how to explain it, but I'm like, whatever. I'm going to accept it. We, you don't like the scratching? In the... I don't know. She ripped yeah, the she wing off scratchy. of his she ripped the wing off of his uh, ankle. Feet. That was pretty uh, that I, was pretty I know, time. but I, a lot of little flips and stuff, and I'm like, mm, <laughs> I want to see your punch. On, I'll tell you this much. <laughs> but that's just me as a female. I'll, but I'll tell you this much. If you have, I mean, she granted she drank the heart-shaped Yeah, uh, yeah, flower she had herb, the... 
So that would enhance her strength. And they showed that when she punched the suit and it mm-hmm. bashed into it the wall. It flew off. But if you'd have just had her stand there trading punches with Namor, yeah. that really would have lost it for people. I, I just mean, wish it, really it was a little more, more... Like, I love the action balance in this, and it wasn't over the top. Like you said before, sometimes movie, superhero movies, action, too much of it takes it away from it. But I would have liked a little bit more strength... But how would they have taught her to fight? I mean, she's she just her brother taught her all the science she knows. I'm sure she's also learning how to fight. But what I'm saying is, is she's gonna she's barely been Black Panther with that kind of strength Mm. for like a day. So how would a fight with strength, you know, just standing in there trading punches, kind of a thing? That's not going to be her fighting style anyway. She's going to have to fight away an evasive fight where you. Survival. Will, She's doing a survival fight. I that head cannon. Okay. I do like that. That's I mean, something that's that how, makes me feel better. That's how I'd look at and, it. And is, maybe she wasn't as strong. It was more of an evasive, so she knows a little well, more. And he's really strong, violence. too. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I just was surprised. I thought she developed the thing where if you punch it, it like absorbs it, and then you got like energy. Where did yeah, that go? I was waiting for that to come back in. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, well. So <laughs> then they have the final fight. We get, um, I don't know if you knew this, but um, uh, Namor's signature line is Imperious Rex. I did not know that. And so that's why he finally mentions it when he's wobbling and she's about to blow up the fire behind him. It's like the whole Caesar thing, right? What is it? Uh, Imperious Rex, I believe it essentially says the the king has the right to do whatever. Really? I know a Rex is a dinosaur. (laughs) But it's king. It's king. It's a Latin phrase that roughly translates to empire king. Mm. Okay. But he says it in the comics all the time. Okay. So he... once he said it, I was like, all right, there Command it is. I didn't know if they were going to have him drop it, but that is his signature line. Okay. Um, and I do think he'll turn out to be more of a good guy than a bad guy. I mean, they deliberately didn't position him. like He didn't commit just general atrocities. Mm-hmm. And I think they went to great lengths to show that anything he did, uh, he did to protect his people. And he always gave a warning to the other side yeah. to change some behavior well, before even, he like, did something about it. Well, even like, bury your dead, I'll be back in seven days. Like, it was a very diplomatic approach to to it, not just a pure rage anger. Mm-hmm. So, how do you guys, well, <laughs> at any rate, the, the, the show ends, Shuri's the Black Panther. Yay. We get, um, we get a, a, a mid-credit scene, no post-credit scene. We get a mid-credit scene where we find out exactly why <laughs> Nakia was in Haiti and, and what, what was going on there. What the mother was about there. to tell her. And apparently that kid's <laughs> in an earlier shot in the movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I didn't realize until somebody else told... Oh, that was... We were all there when yeah. they told us yeah, that. That's yeah, yeah. Right. It was Jeff that told us that. But um, So T'Challa has a son, T'Challa Jr. Yay! Yep. And... What that means going forward is he'll probably join the Young Avengers. I don't know. That's yeah. <laughs> that feels like what they're setting up at some point is the Young Avengers. But or they'll do a fast forward and he'll be in his mid teens. Well, and like he knows who he like. is. He knew oh, his father. We like, forgot to skip where Ryrie made essentially an Iron Man suit. Oh, she made an Iron, Iron Man Heart. suit and fought, yeah. and we kind of forgot about Ryrie. Yeah, and, and she, has she to did go back some cool mom. stuff and she fought, but uh, she <laughs> and kinda, the car's back. And they have to keep the suit, but she'll get it back when needed, of yeah. course. Well, there's gonna be a series. It's it's one of the um and um. Announced series is, I think it's a Disney Plus one. It is, probably it's gonna be is. Ironheart. Oh, yeah. So I just was going to say just one more thing with Sherry, which I think is important to point out about her is she is by far to me in this show the epitome of a normal person in a super superhero situation, but also just okay. a super person. It's kind of like Queen Elizabeth. Her dad dying, she's like 20 and she's like, what do you mean I have to be the queen? I have to lead a nation in World War II. I have to – it's almost a little bit of flashback. She's like, I'm not ready for this. But she just steps up everywhere she can 
and mm-hmm. do what she thinks is best. And she does that over and over again, which is just human. She's just very And she human. doesn't do it exactly right all no. the time. No, no, no. Which is what we no. want. That's what we want, right? We don't right. want somebody who, well, we think we want somebody who never makes the mistake. But right. we certainly connect with them better when we see them stumble but keep going. Right. To me, that's the epitome of why we like superhero movies in the first place is yeah. wishing that we kind of had that power that they have like that's it's some wish fulfillment uh, fantasy you know that's why we like it but also like would we do the same thing in that same situation if we had that power everybody's imagined if you had such and such a power what would you do with it? if i had a lightsaber what would i actually do with it i don't know i mean i have turn it I on would all the time i chop off my arm like within five minutes so. oh. <laughs> i don't I'm want glad that. that we don't have them then. but you know if you had like superman's powers if you had right. spider-man's powers like how would you use it would you use it the same way you know, would you be selfish? You probably would. Like, if we're all honest, we'd probably be a little selfish somehow. Or we'd brag about it or we'd go on social media and be like humble bragging like, uh, oh, it's such a burden to have these great powers like this. Uh, it comes with such great responsibility. Uh, it's, it's good that I can, I have support from people. You know who you are. Yeah. It's kind of like when people have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. They're like, it's yeah. just harder to have money than you think. And you're like, you're like I wouldn't mind having the yeah, money, but, I but we don't kind have of the money. I could find that so problem. So you have the money, then you find out that that's the situation. No, that's exactly right. Okay. Okay, well, let's uh, let's take our final break here, and then when we come back, final thoughts, uh, maybe a couple different uh, observations about characters, and uh, where do we think this is the end of Phase Four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? What uh, what did we think of this of the phase, and what are we looking for in Phases Five and and forward? All right, final segment. We're talking Wakanda Forever, Black Panther 2, latest from fa- the final movie of Phase 4 from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, according to Kevin Feige at uh, 2022 San Diego event that we will not name on this show because we're a fanex we're show. We're a fanex show. Thank you very much. <laughs> but the... Um, the grouping of people that get together in August in San Diego <laughs> is how we'll, uh, we'll phrase it. You can it. still invite me if you want. <laughs> but... We have the end of the Phase 4. So Phase 4 began with WandaVision back during the pandemic. And then everything that's come up until now with Wakanda Forever is Phase 1, which means Loki, uh, Loki. What If, um, what else have we got? Uh, Hawkeye, Mm -hmm. She-Hulk. Ms. Marvel. Ms. Marvel. uh, The Eternals, (laughs) Shang-Chi. What else we got? Spider-Man No Way Home. True. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. So we've, we've had... You know, a- anyone else? A good amount saw, of things. We saw T'Challa's son. Um, does it, did it pull you back into She Hulk at the very end when Bruce comes is like, and this is my son? <laughs> no, because I know his son. His son. That's a whole thing. Like I, that's totally what I thought. But I loved She Hulk. So, but I wasn't. I didn't think of that specifically, but that is that is kind of funny. Only because the Hulk one was done somewhat comedically of like, oh, by the way, I have a son who's like fully grown. I'll have to tell you about that all in just a minute. But with this was much more serious and like the final sort of grieving, like it, it finally gives the to why where where Nakia was. Yeah, during and that all she was this. asked not to go. And I, by the way, I like Nakia with longer hair. I don't know. I just personally do. I prefer yeah. the longer than the shorter. Mm-hmm. But at any rate, um, and her son looked just like Chadwick. Boseman. Oh my gosh! Like, were that was there? Were they related? Like, not that uh, I know of. I got I gotta look. Doesn't say he looks just like him. I'm very grateful they did wonderful casting, <laughs> and he was adorable. And okay. I wanted to reach in the screen and hug him. Oh, well. So let's talk about phase. What was your favorite part of phase four of all those series and different things? So essentially, everything since the pandemic started has been phase four. 
What was your favorite? I mean, mm. people like WandaVision. I just remember WandaVision was it was it had been almost a year and a half. It had been over a year and a half since Endgame. So, other than Spider Man Far From Home, we hadn't had any Marvel content. Mm. And then we'd spent the whole pandemic going up all the way to January of 2021, and we get WandaVision. And just hearing that Marvel fanfare was so nice and trying to figure out the puzzle and it was the only Marvel thing we had that was new. It wasn't like four yep. things were coming out at the same time. It was that. Mm-hmm. And then over time we've had more time to, to digest. So I'm curious what, uh, I, I, for me, the best part, no question was Spider-Man Noel. I mean, that's just not even close. It's too bad in a way that it's not as centrally connected because of Sony yeah. to, to the rest of the thing. I mean, Dr. Right. Strange was in it and Wong was in it. Um, and, and we'll see the effects <laughs> mm-hmm. of it. So I guess maybe it was more central than, yeah. than I'm, I'm thinking of initially. But um, I would say that to me was the high point of everything. And, and the bonus fact that we got the other Spider-Men in it was just and the other villains was just it was just awesome. That was that was no question the high point of phase four. I'm, I think Loki is. I, I loved mm. learning more about the different time streams. I love kind of the mystery of who, who what are they called? The, the four that's like actually weaving the time stream. I love the animation mixed with it. I love that performances. I can't wait for more seasons. I love Sylvie. I, I, I like Miss Minutes. I love Miss Minutes. Yeah, but only you because luckily I got did a, her panel at Fanex. She, she got to do the Tara Strong Ooh, panel at Fanex. That's so cool. jealous. She was really cool. She was really nice. That's cool. <laughs> um, but I just I love love Loki, and I I love um, seeing all the different multiverse versions kind of come together in the way that it was heading. So that that's my favorite so far of uh, well of Phase Four, I guess, because we've seen them all. Okay, how about you, that? Joshua? I think you know mine. Wakanda Forever? Yeah, it was. It was. I, <laughs> no argument I, here. I, I, I liked it. I thought they did a great job. I think it, I think it for me, again, the emotional side, that, that wins it for me. Mm-hmm. I think all the ones are great. I think there's a ton of great Marvel films. That's the thing. It's so hard to break down which one I love the most, but there's, okay. There's just something there. Well, and how great is that an example of knowing your audience? You love Spider-Man. You grew up on Spider-Man. You yep. associated with him. I loved Loki because, hello, Loki is amazing. Tom, you know, Hiddleston and everything. And Lady Loki. I, and, and and Sylvie. I love yeah. freaking Sylvie in it. I love seeing a female character like that. And, of course, sure. you like Black Panther right. as a black person. Right. Like It just shows how the diversity that's happening within the the storytelling of the Marvel Universe can reach so many different people in so many different ways. And that's what you want, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, so Phase 5 coming up. We're still going to have some Avengers movies. Phase 5 begins with Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania in March. soon, right? Okay. Yeah. Actually, technically, Phase 4 officially wraps as an epilogue with Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special in December. That's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I'm technically, so that wraps up. I don't know okay. what that means as far as, like, there's going to be some kind of cameo for sure. There, there will be. I, I don't Bacon's know of what. Be well, besides so Kevin okay. Bacon, because they're going to kidnap him. So, <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, I'm so but there's going to be some Marvel character, I'm sure, that makes an appearance. We've got uh, the Marvels coming out soon. Um, what if season two? Uh, these are just in the initial. Oh, they are part. doing what if season two? Oh, okay, yeah. cool, cool. Uh, these are just in the initial parts of, of things that they've announced. Um, there may or may not be a Daredevil series. You know, there, there's a whole bunch of things that they're floating. But Another as far as announced. Part of- We've got a Fantastic Four movie coming at some point. Oh, yeah. I'm Um, excited for that. I know, laugh. I'm telling you. I know. It's just all the the history of bad Fantastic The problem is is that The Incredibles did the Fantastic Four better than the Fantastic Four ever did. True, true. And so now that's the standard to beat. And I just don't know, short of copying it, how they could do it. If Jessica Alba's not in it, it can't copy and it can't be good. (laughs) That's it. 
Sorry, that's it. <laughs> Pretty sure. Well, they could bring her in. I mean, we got a multiverse now. They did say that phase five is kind of going to be the multiverse phase. Okay. okay. So that's. I that's thought this. Some of the, I thought phase four felt very multiversey, but okay. No, this will get way more into way it. More we, into oh, it. we've got um, Secret Invasion. Uh, oh, that's which is right. the one where the Scrolls try to the invade Earth, or some Scrolls try to invade Earth. Hopefully, we'll get plenty of Talos, uh, played by uh, our boy from Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> we got the House of Agatha, uh, House of what? Right. Mm-hmm. House of Harkness or Harkness. whatever. Mm-hmm. So these are all announced, although they haven't started filming on that wow. one, I don't think. But there'll be plenty of content, as with all things. The more content we have, the more it will rank in yeah, quality. Like yeah. it just, it just does. Right. We're and not going to get a hundred things. They're all uh, these are one through one hundred. They're all tied for first. Yeah. Like, and the more confusing it can become as well. Before sure. I watched this, I went ahead and made sure I rewatched the first Black Panther, and then I did hunt down online like, "What's I need a refresher on Black Panther storyline?" No, it's so true. That is one right. risk of, of making it so big. This is the challenge as continuity gets more unwieldy. It becomes, in certain ways, more exclusionary, and then the challenge that the Marvel filmmakers are going to have, and you know, I. I Kevin Feige hasn't missed yet, but there'll be something that that he gets wrong, probably. But they're going to have to figure out how do we bring in people who don't have time to watch 67,000 hours of previous Marvel Mm -hmm. Cinematic Universe. This is where I think the divisions are going to start among fans. There's just no way around it. There's the people who have watched all of it. And I've seen this in video games online. There's the people who play it 24-7 and the people who casually play it. And the people who play it 24-7 feel like they ought to be catered to because they're the ones probably dumping the most money into the system. Right. And then they – but they don't want you to soft pedal it for these other people who only come in every so often. And so then the people who soft pedal it are just like, well, I I don't know what the heck's going on. I don't want to waste my time with this. that's the problem that DC has had is like I love that they're making all these little detailed stuff for super fans like me. But then the general audiences aren't aren't catching all the nuances of Doctor Fate and and well, but Black Marvel Adam figured it out. Nobody like knew anything about Doctor Strange. They no. just made a fun movie, and this is where the formula helps. Say what you want about the Marvel formula, by having some formula, that then becomes something that people who Look don't for. have everything can kind of get in and, and catch the yeah. different beats. You know, right. I didn't know if maybe there was some cameo of some lesser known DC character in black Adam and it could have gone right over my head and that's okay. But in the Marvel yes. movies, nothing gets over my head. Atuma. I was like, Oh, I bet that's that guy. And then they said his name. I was like, ah, yep. Yeah. But that's something that I would have picked out. It wasn't necessarily well, central to the Well, that's the thing is Marvel is great at that, and that's something DC needs well, to but learn. I, it's only great I'm pretty sure I saw Black Canary in, in Black Adam, and you, you wouldn't even know who that is. I know so. who Black Canary is, but I wouldn't have recognized mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. unless they made some kind of reference to her. And so that's part of the fun. The Easter egg hunting is a longtime Marvel right. fan. Same with Star Wars. is mm-hmm. Easter egg hunting stuff. But... Can they make something that people can access? And that's getting harder and harder to do. When I review the movies for TV, I say, like, look, this is great if you're already a fan. If you're not, I'm not sure this is the place where you want to jump in. Right. So oh, yeah. what's the motivation to go I to the theater? I had to tell some people watch half this YouTube kids, video first. Half my you know? kids haven't even seen all the Marvel movies yet. So when it's time to like, oh, do you, which one should I take to this movie? It's, right. oh, well, I haven't seen this one, this one, and this one. I'm like... Yeah, where do we start? Uh, well, maybe I'd take someone else then. Well, like yeah. even Valentina in it, like a lot of people didn't know who that was. Like, So you had you had to have a right. little bit of a refresher there. But it didn't matter necessarily. Like, no, it, no. For me, it was just like, oh, oh there she is. And mm-hmm. I know that she's doing something. Oh, and she's the director of the CIA. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. She had a cool blue stripe in her hair. But she also was like a little Julia Louis Dreyfus with sort of the sarcastic and kind of jokey. Of veep in there as well. Veep, yeah. Veep and Elaine. Mm-hmm. So, see, so series five... Uh, the things that we're probably going to see, there's talk about Thunderbolts. Thunderbolts is a mm, I have no clue essentially 
a Suicide Squad for Marvel. Oh, okay. It's a bunch of shady or bad or people who are in trouble. Who are got to work yeah, in well, order to. Yeah, well, they put them yeah, together yeah. as like reformed bad people. <sighs> Although in Suicide Squad, they didn't re- try to reform him. It was just literally, if you do, do this, this thing where, and, and you survive, you don't have to, uh, you can get out of jail. Right. But um, the, with, with Thunderbolts, it's, it's some of them are just ones that like are kind of the, well, they're not the worst, but they're not like good, but they're not totally irredeemable, but they don't always keep the rules. And so then the Thunderbolts is that. That's where you're going to see U.S. agent uh, Walker from the Falcon and Winter Soldier, the guy who was okay. Captain America for a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to see... Yeah, you're going to see Abomination probably be part of that. So you're going to have all these different characters. So and, and supposedly Contessa is, or Val is going to. Yeah, I thought we would have seen them. more from her um, after Black Widow. So. Well, okay, so she was supposed to show up for the first time in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh huh. And then she or no wait. But what, we yeah, we heard no. her name in Hawkeye as well. But well, right, right, right. But yeah. what I'm saying is she was supposed to. They, Originally, oh, she right. was supposed right, to premiere, but, but the pandemic COVID. threw it off, and so oh. she ended up appearing first in Black pa- in, in Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then she was in Black Widow. She was supposed to be in Black Widow first because that was supposed to come out in April or May of mm-hmm. 2020. See, I saw it in I that see. order, so it wasn't so. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so now she's back, and you're going to see she's going to play some kind of a role. Da, da, da. Uh, but that's her first, you know, middle of the movie, not just post credit scene. Mm-hmm. So, Phase Five, Phase Six. At some point, Kang. How many phases mm. are they going to do? Kellyanne. They're just going to keep okay, adding I'll, them. Uh, that was a stupid question. They're I'll, making money. They're going to make all of the phases. It doesn't. There is no upper limit on numbers. They will make them until people stop going you to them. You should see Andy's face. I wish you made a little video <laughs> right now. What? How many phases? It's like, do you think they'll make another Star Wars movie? Hmm, let me think. No, they'll say, you know what? We've told a great story, and it doesn't matter how much potential merchandising and money there is in this intellectual property, but this We're is where we need to stop. <laughs> No, that's not enough. There will be as many phases as the market will support. Okay. And then they'll go. start over again. And then they'll do yeah, the, re- the reboot. It's true. So, we told our grandkids, I remember the first one. Kang, who was introduced in Loki, mm-hmm. he was the guy at the end. He's going to play a key role at some point. He's also, interestingly enough, I believe he is the antagonist in Creed 3 that's coming out next year. I believe he's the guy who Creed's going to fight. Anyway, mm. sorry. I love the Creed series and the uh, Rocky cool. series. But What's anyway, is Jonathan, that one of the, Jonathan something. Is that a Majors, one? I believe, is his name. Is that yes, a, boxing a boxing one? Boxing okay, all right. The way you said that, I'm like, is it a superhero I don't know about? No, but that, no, no, that no. Makes no. This is a boxing, a boxing superhero. Okay, there you go. There we go. So that's going to, his time traveling is going to come into play at some point. Yay. Obviously, Loki will not be gone forever, even if he has the series. Like, we're going to get Tom Hiddleston in a movie somehow. Um, but everything's on the table. The, the, the only thing that's ticking clockwise is the age of the actors who are portraying him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as much as, as hardcore fans, and I include myself to a certain amount on the instinctual level, um, I don't like to see him change it or reboot or do a lot, but you can't. I mean, the reality yeah. is reality. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man's been around for 60 years, but there's no Spider-Man that could be doing it 60 years long. Right. No. I mean, be almost 80. <laughs> well, and I'm like, they create these rich stories. I don't want to see the same one over and over again. Yeah. DC, please get your stuff together. Hey, that's- um, I want to see it continue on. And with 
I love storytelling. I want more room for more stories and more characters and stuff. So I don't need a reboot all the time. I want to. I want to continue the story. Well, I feel like Marvel's done really well with that. Marvel's done They're really good well end- with that. Like not that they've en- not that they've ended everything, but they've done a good job. Of like, yeah, this character has died. Mm-hmm. This character has moved on, and that doesn't mean they can't go do another Iron Man or another Spider Man. Right, or another, but they don't want Tony Stark, and it yeah, would have to be they're gonna move like on there was him. talk that in Multiverse of Madness that we'd see Tom Cruise as Iron Man. There was that rumor that was floating online. How how cool that would have been in a I, different. I I mind seeing it like a little cameo in a what if or something. I think that'd be a good little nod. But I like the multiverse idea. It allows them to put another actor in the Mm -hmm. role. Mm -hmm. And they could put a famous actor in the role to where we're like, okay, I guess we could have The Rock be the Hulk in this (laughs) parallel universe. Which is one of my favorite things in the DC Comics as well, is they kind of have the multiverse, multi world type of thing as well. So you you get to see little things. I think DC kind of introduced that multiverse concept Mm -hmm. a little bit before Marvel. Earth, One, Earth, Two. I'm so sad because Kevin Conroy passed away recently, and I just have to say, he like got me into superheroes. I wouldn't be sitting here right now if it wasn't for the animated series of Batman. And. That sounds like we need an episode for Karen uh, Conroy. I would love to do one, but I just uh, – it goes back to, you know, Ch- Chadwick Baldwin passing away. He brought a lot of – Bozeman. Uh, Bozeman. Um, he brought a lot of people into the Marvel Universe, into comics. His yeah. portrayal brought him into that. Kevin Conroy did that to me. Like anytime anyone asks me who's my favorite Batman, and right off the bat, that's what it is. I just I just had to throw that in there. Sorry. I, just because it's so fresh. That's all right. <laughs> uh, it uh... – for for you're not you the only one. I actually know a lot me? of people that uh, feel like Kevin Conroy's a Batman. He's uh, yeah. He was the Batman for their generation. Well, and like he's he also because of that. Let's go back. Okay, I can connect it back up. The Marvel uh, has the multiverse and everything. We see actors playing different parts and different trans transitions of that. Kevin Conroy actually played Thomas Wayne uh, in a couple of mm. the DC animated movies and yeah. in some of the CW. Flashpoint, I believe. Flashpoint, cool. yeah. And so, how cool is that? That so yes, we can. There. Now try to connect it up, Andy, because you're better than me. Well, I mean, the multiverse is going to play a key role in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I, I like it because it's it's a plausible comic book yeah. idea that allows them to have some leeway with stories. They don't have to necessarily create a, well, we can't have Iron Man because it was it was Robert Downey Jr. and people won't accept. And that's true. If you try to go in this Marvel Universe and have somebody else be Iron Man, it would be hard for you to watch that. But we we can create the the mental bridge mm-hmm. for ourselves. Oh, mm-hmm. this is let's just keep going with the Tom Cruise analogy. Tom Cruise is Iron Man in that other universe, and now he's over here. Okay, I yeah. just we can have Iron Man I again because that's what we want. We want Iron Man again, right. but we don't want we can't have Robert Downey Jr. So we can't have somebody else be. The one that Robert Downey Jr. played, it's got to be a different one that comes in that and makes something. Sense. I just had an image of um, Tom Cruise in the Iron Man outfit and someone making a, a joke. You're pretty short for an Iron Man reference. Ooh, you know, what that- <laughs> Don't let him hear this or he will come find you. <laughs> no, because then it connects to Star Wars and all these different things. I do love Tom Cruise. You know, he's one of my favorite action Oh, look at her heroes. trying to recover. Mm-hmm. Minority he's Report. He's my favorite. On paper on I hate five. Tom Cruise. He's just short. <laughs> Shrimp equals Cruise. I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> All right. So Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Joshua, it's your favorite from the Marvel Cinematic it Universe is. Phase 4. That's awesome. Um, will we see a Black Panther 3? Well, Probably. Depends on how this continues to do at the box yeah. office. Can I insert one thing there, yeah, too? absolutely. Yeah, my insert there is I love how they ended Black Panther. Spoiler. Shuri's not remaining queen. Right? 
she steps aside, and I have my own opinion on this, and I think it actually comes back to her vision while she was on the flower. She took she took some revenge, and she took the queen as well, but I think she felt that she had compromised the full integrity of that position, personally. And I feel like by stepping aside, she was able to save Is that people. why M'Baku stood on the water and was like, I challenge for the... Yeah, so that was essentially them saying Shuri's not going to take over. She moved to Haiti. She moved to watch over her nephew. I thought she just went on a trip. No, she's. I think she said she's going to go visit Riri, but then Arirai or whatever her name, Riri. But then she finds out she has a she has a nephew that is her brother, and her mom's gone. What does she have? Wakanda's still home. Family, but that's her family. So I think she's done. I think she stepped aside, and she feels fine with that, and I feel good with that because then it doesn't. She's still obviously black. She still has the ability of Black Panther, but. And I think we're going to see that come back because I think she's going to have to use that to help somewhere. But I think she, through the integrity of diplomatic reasons, I think it was smart to move on from that and give that over to somebody who does protect their people and has always tried to Mm -hmm. and will continue to. Mm -hmm. I love that. That That, That's a great observation. I hadn't hadn't thought of that. And that's actually good because I've been meaning to ask, like, who's M'Baku going to fight? Like, what? I don't think he It seemed like it was a setup for, like, I challenged for this. And then I was like, well, where's Shuri? Is she? She forfeited. She didn't even show up. Okay, but that's what I say. Mm -hmm. That was the Mm -hmm. connection I hadn't made. I didn't Mm -hmm. quite understand what that meant. So that's good. All right. Okay. So Black Panther Wakanda Forever. We're going to see how it does when Avatar 2 comes out. Um, it may soon. it may end up being um, it may end up staying uh, its power all the way through Christmas. I think. Uh, Did anyone else when they saw the the Atlantean people be like, "Hey, look, it's more Avatar people." Navi. Navi. <laughs> well, I mean, what can, what color can you make In people from underwater? Uh, they got to be blue, true, right? True. True. All right. Sorry. Well. Thank you again, uh, Joshua Paul Chamberlain, from uh, who's appeared on several other KSL podcasts. Invite you to check them out. Uh, Voices of Reason with Amy Donaldson. Is Jason Lee still on that one? Yeah, I think he is. Oh, I love that. And then on Re- Relentlessly, Relentlessly Resilient. Resilient, you can find those podcasts in the same place that you can find Fan Effect Podcast, if this is your first time listening, and you followed a link from social media to check us out. First of all, we're grateful that you're here. Second of all, we'd like to invite you to check out our uh, other episodes of our podcast or any of the great KSL podcasts on kslpodcast.com. You can also listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. And we invite you to do so to listen to some of our great content. (laughs) Josh Chamberlain, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. Kellyanne, thanks for being here as always. Thank you. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Fan Effect. We're going to edit this part. No, this is hilarious. So, I don't want to edit it. If this is in the podcast, <laughs> you shush now. I'm going to shut off your mic there. Now you can't laugh. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.